right, so we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 2 tonight, starting in verse number 15, as we've been going on our trek through the pastoral epistles, as we've seen Paul encourage Timothy in 1 Timothy, as he was really kind of giving some wisdom about church stuff, um, ecclesia- or, uh, eschatological matters, which is just church matters. Um, so we move into 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy has a different feel. If uh, Josh might remember, what's the difference between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy? Do you remember? Um, if, uh, 1 Timothy was about the church and then 2 was more to Timothy. Yeah, 2 is definitely more towards Timothy, right? So 2 Timothy is more personal. 2 Timothy is directed more towards Timothy as Paul is doing a back and forth between his ministry and Timothy's ministry. And so as we start verse 15 tonight in chapter 2, we're going to continue into the idea of a faithful worker and the idea of a uh, faithful soldier, um, an athlete who follows the rules, and then the other one was a farmer who sows the seed and he brings forth that fruit. So we'll start in verse 15 tonight, and then um, we'll see what the Lord has for us. So verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the, who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some, are, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use." set apart as wholly useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So short passage that we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, and the very first thing that we see in verse 15 is to present yourself as one approved. What does that mean, to present yourself as one approved? What does it mean to present something? Like show it yeah, show it. show it off. I like that. Anything else? To present yourself... Or just to present yourself. I kind of get the idea of like a, um, you got a king sitting there, right? And you're going to present yourself or you're going to walk into his presence. That way he can can look upon you. And we get um, the first thing that Paul is bringing up here in verse 15 is that Timothy, as he approaches himself to God and through his ministry and through his teaching and all that he does, he wants God to say, You've done it good, right? You've done a good job. You um, Thumbs up to you. Let's pat you on the back, Timothy, because you have completed this work for me. He reminds Timothy in the past uh, few verses that we were reading all the things that he should teach the church. And, and in teaching the church, he teaches them to, to remain faithfully, faithful and to um, love the Lord. And so Paul is trying to encourage Timothy to be this good worker, someone that God is pleased with, someone that God is happy with. And so how do we as Christians make the Lord happy? Do good. Do good. Don't sin. Don't sin. Spread Jesus. All right, spread Jesus. What else? Read the Word. All right, what else? Covered a lot. What was the question? 
what's what's one way that God can look at us and say that we're doing a good job, that we um, we can be approved in the Lord's sight? What what do we do? Don't do what you're doing. Don't do what Andrew's doing by finishing his homework. But we see good. There's a lot, a lot of things that we can do for the Lord. I think one of the most important things that we can do for the Lord, um, and and what he'll kind of reference that here in just a little bit, is that turning from ungodliness and the turning from iniquity. Reading your Bible is great. Praying is great. Coming to church is great. Doing good deeds is great. But I would not say that's the most important thing. Um, I guess what is the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? The greatest commandment. What is it, Allie? You don't know. Okay, that is that is the first commandment. Don't want to show the gods before me. Oh, it used to be there. What is the greatest commandment though? Something totally different. Jesus, the Pharisees came to Jesus. They said, "Jesus, what's the greatest commandment?" And he said, "What?" All right, that's the second greatest commandment. You're close. So, so the second one is just like the first one, but it's different. So this, you are, you're exactly right. Jesus says that the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says that the second is just like the first one, but the first one's slightly different. No murder. Okay. Nice. So we got our horizontal relationships right because we're loving our neighbors. Now yeah. what? Now what do we have to get right? Love the Lord, right? You have to get our vertical relationship right. So first and foremost, right, before we can really even read the word right, before we can even pray right, I think our hearts need to be right towards God, that we would love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, um, and with all of our mind, right? That's what uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, is the Shema, right? This greatest commandment that Jesus brings up, that we should love the Lord with all that we have and everything else falls into place. He continues and says, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, right? If we're doing the right things, we have no need to be ashamed in front of the God. And what is the command that Paul gives Timothy to uh, be approved um, for God, in front of God? How does he tell him to act? What does he tell him to do at the end of verse 15? Rightly handling the word of truth. So why is it important to handle the word of truth? So I guess first, what is the word of truth? The Bible, all right? So why is it important to handle it rightly? Or why is it important to teach it, understand it, and read it correctly? Okay, and why is that bad? Yeah, because you can spread false stuff, right? And so that was a big idea that we saw in 1 Timothy, right? That Paul was saying to Timothy, look out for false teachings because you can. people are leading people astray. People are leading people down a wrong path that does not lead them closer to God. So Paul says, to be an approved worker, teach the word correctly. Handle the word of God rightly, because that's your job. And it goes into verse 16, is if we handle the word rightly, we do not teach irreverent babble. We don't, um, as Paul says, to avoid this irreverent babble. This babble does, and this talk is kind of just gibberish, right? He says, avoid the gibberish uh, that could be taught about God. Not only that, or he says, because it leads people uh, to more ungodliness. So as a pastor, as Christians... Our lives should be lived as the Lord gives us approval if we are handling His Word rightly and leading people towards godliness. Can we see that in this passage? Right? We're handling God's Word rightly 
as we are reading his word, we're allowing it to touch our hearts and change us in the way that we live. And as we do that, as we have our vertical relationship, right, we're leading our horizontal relationships the right way also. That the people we come in contact with on a daily basis are being led towards godliness. He says that this babble, this irreverent talk, this talk that is not about God, it does not point people towards godliness. He said it spreads like gangrene. Does anyone know what disease gangrene is? All right, what is it? What is it? Yeah, your flesh rots away. So I was looking up how. Well, I was looking up how fast it spread. I didn't look up pictures, but I was looking up how fast it spread, and it said it spreads so quickly because it gets in your bloodstream and your skin everywhere just begins to rot. And so, what is Paul saying? Is the, um, you know, what does Paul mean by, um, don't let this spread like gangrene? What is he saying to Timothy? Okay, don't let it spread fast. Because it's killing. Go ahead. Yeah, I can see that too, right? As we can see, this disease would be consuming someone, right? That it is not leading this person towards um, healthiness of their life. Paul says, is it of the utmost importance of your approval in ministry that you proclaim it rightly and lead people towards godliness? Because ungodliness destroys all that you are. Ungodliness and sin in your life destroys you. And we recognize that in our own world. We recognize that throughout Scripture. As Paul says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is what? Death, right? That our sin, our ungodliness, is worse even than gangrene as it fills us and and destroys us from the inside out and it begins to show itself and we are uh, destroyed. So I would say maybe the first few things that we see in verses 15 through 17, um, really 17a, I guess the very beginning of that verse, is that we should teach the word correctly as Christians. You know, this is a book written towards a pastor, but that does not mean it does not apply to us as Christians. Every single day we handle the word of God in some kind of way, whether it be how we act, how we present ourselves to the world, right? Some people and, you know, I think I can even see it in my own life as I read the Word, am I showing how the Word is working in my life? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Right? As Christians, we are meant to do that. So now he mentions two people, Hymenius and Philetus. Okay? This Hymenius guy was referenced back in 1 Timothy, um, and he was not referenced in a good way. He, Paul says that he gave this guy over to Satan, that he would learn not to blaspheme. So these two guys are not in good standing with Paul. What does Paul say that they're doing in verse 18? All right, what else? All right, what else? All right, so they're doing three different things. Number one, they've swerved from the truth. Number two, they're saying that the resurrection has already occurred. And number three, they're upsetting the faith of some. Okay. First, we're going to look at the, the first one. What does is, what is swerve mean? Turned away from. Turned away from, right? And I think of a car. Like when you swerve a car, it's not in, you're not in control and you're abruptly turning, right? You're a getting away from, from where you're going. So Paul is saying, number one, be an approved worker. Number two, don't be like these two guys. What are these two guys doing? They, they've left the truth, number one. They don't obey the Word of God. They're not teaching the truth of the Word of God. 
the truth that they're, uh, the untruth, I guess, that they're teaching is they're saying that the resurrection has already happened. And so what is the resurrection? What is Paul referencing? It's kind of an interesting thought. Okay, maybe. Jesus' resurrection. I think it could be in a sense, yes. Uh, I think it's definitely related to the last days. I think it could is related to Jesus' resurrection in a sense. You know, because we all, we have, um, what does Jesus' resurrection mean for us? That we get to go to heaven. Yeah, that we get to go to heaven also, right? That death is not our final end, that we also get to have a re- resurrection. I was trying to do some study on this, and he, I think uh, some of the commentaries I was reading was saying that this resurrection that they're referencing is towards um, that final day of resurrection where we are all brought towards the Lord and we are all brought to God. And they're, out, are, they're teaching that it's already occurred, right, that, they, uh, that we've missed it. And that's not true, right? Um, it's obviously not true. And that's what Paul's saying, right? It's not, it's not true. They're not teaching the truth of God. And as they're not teaching the truth of God, they're allowing ungodliness to spread like gangrene. And he says it's affecting the faith of some. Right? It's affecting the faith of, of maybe some of the weaker ones, right? Maybe some of the ones who are just coming to the faith and they really need proper guidance. They really need proper understanding, but they are in the midst of unsound teaching, right? They are in the midst of false teaching and the false doctrine. Okay. Verse 18 goes into, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone knows, excuse me, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So these two things go towards um, these two guys that were just mentioned earlier. He says, Number one, the Lord knows who are His. So why is that important? Why is. Paul bringing this up. He's referencing this from um, number 16, which is a big story that I'd have to go into. But um, Number 16. So why is Paul bringing this up for Timothy? The Lord knows who are his. Teach him. Okay, to teach him. What is he teaching him? I guess what is God's firm foundation? He mentions that at the beginning of chat, verse 18. Or verse 19, sorry. God's firm foundation of what? I don't know, I'm kind of even asking myself. I would say God's firm foundation of the truth, God's firm foundation of the church, God's firm foundation of all that he's began to establish. And so Paul is saying, as there's these two guys out there, Hymenius and Philactus, I can't say that dude's name, but anyways, you got these two guys who are spreading bad theology and spreading bad gospel and spreading um, false doctrine. God says, God will know who his people are, his people like you, Timothy. God knows that these two guys aren't of his. Not only does God know that, but the ones who know the Lord will confess the Lord with their, um, confess the Lord rightly. So he says it in, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. As we name the Lord, as we are a child of his, 
what is what do we do in response if we are a child of God? He says it at the end of nineteen. We depart from iniquity. What is iniquity? It's a big word. Yeah. I've looked at the definition many times, and now I can't find it in my brain. Trespasses to go against a set rule of laws. Iniquity, I think, is just basically doing wrong, right? And so we see as as there are things about God, and and as God has set a firm foundation in His truth and in His gospel, He says, number one, God knows all the ones that are His. God knows his sheep. God knows his people. God knows the one who's going to accept him. So maybe the question is also, if God knows who's going to accept him and God knows who his people are, how do I know who his people are? And I think the, the qualifier is what he says. The God's people are the people that depart from iniquity. So as I, you know, and maybe in Timothy, I, I, I might know these two guys, right? But I'm like, Paul, those guys confess the Lord. Those guys you know, were in in um, class with me, right? Those guys, uh, I thought knew the God, knew the Lord, but they're not showing it, right? They're not showing it by their fruit. Is maybe what Paul is saying. And in our lives, as we are doing the same thing, as we are presenting ourselves towards God, as we are of one approved. Number one, we preach the word rightly, and number two, if we want to show that we're the Lord's and show that the Lord knows our name, what do we do? We depart from iniquity, right? We depart from sin. We don't um, allow sin to come into our lives. One thing that I've even recognized in myself, right, that I've been reading Scripture, and I see in myself that sin is in my life, but do I turn from it? Mm, not often, not as much as I should, but I should, right? Why? Because the Lord knows my name. If I confess the Lord's name, I must be about His business. Okay? <clears throat> Any thoughts before we close? I mean, before we close. Any thoughts before we continue? Questions, comments, concerns? Okay. So what are the two things that Paul's brought up so far? An approved worker does what? Number one, tells the truth. Okay. He prevents the, the word of God rightly. Number two, an approved worker of God does what? Departs from iniquity, leads sin, right? This is how Paul is saying, as you present yourself to God, this is how you're going to know that you're one approved. You teach the word lightly. You don't let uh, ungodliness spread like gangrene. And you let people know that you're his by professing his name and by turning from iniquity because that's what God's asked you to do. Number 20, verse 20, sorry. Now, in a great house, there are only vessels of, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Okay, so Paul is beginning. I think is this is almost like an illustration um, of what um, he's trying to help Timothy understand through an illustration. He brings up the idea of four pots. Okay, we got the gold pot, the silver pot, the wood pot, and the clay pot. Okay, the gold pot and the silver pot obviously have what? They have more value, obviously, right? Because they're gold and they're silver, right? They're meant for this honorable use. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, if we have a king, right? If I'm a king, I'm, I'm going to want to eat out of the gold or the silver bowl. Why? Man, because I look fancy while I'm doing it. But if I have to go to the restroom, am I going to pee in my gold pot? No. <laughs> what, about, what pot am I going to pee in, probably? Either that wood pot or that clay pot, right? I'm going to use the ones that don't have as much value for these other uses, right? And Paul says, 
that in the in this house there are pots that are meant for honorable use and for dishonorable use. That's a very deep and theological thing that we can get into, and we can talk. I have to go to show you to Romans before I talk any more about that. But what does Paul say? Okay, some are set apart as holy, used for the master of the house for every uh, good work. Let's see. I skipped a verse, didn't I? Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself for what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of uh, for honorable use. Okay? So I would say in my life, I have not always been a vessel for honorable use. Okay? I have been, at times, a vessel for dishonorable use. Right? So, uh, a use that is not bringing honor and glory to God. But what Paul says is that if you cleanse that pot, right, if you make that pot pure, you make that pot whole, it can be used for what? Honorable use, right? And so what do we see that Paul is saying through this illustration? I'm engaged. You're engaged now? Uh, tonight. Okay. So you got time. A little bit of time. A little bit of time. You're probably still going to wait till Friday, but. Most likely. Okay. Okay. But. You're engaged now. All right. So we have this illustration that Paul's bringing up. Maybe you can answer this question, right? So we have the four pots. We have some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Paul says if you cleanse the ones that are for dishonorable use, you can now use them for what? Honorable use. Honorable use. Why? Because they're clean, right? And so in my life, all of our lives, we have not been, um, we would did not start out for honorable use, right? We were all for dishonorable use. We all, we were dirty, right? We pursued unholy things. But Paul is saying here, you can be cleansed. You can be made whole. All can be made for honorable use only if they're cleaned, only if they're cleansed. By the holy water. Okay, by the holy water of who? By the holy water of Jesus Christ. And so this vessel will be made for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Okay? So we have two thoughts about these two pots. Number one, they were first uncleaned, unclean, and now they're clean and made whole. Number two, now that they're made whole, what can they be used for? Honorable use and used by, I guess, who can they use be used by? We'll say it. That's the better way to say it. Jesus. Jesus, right? So that's what Paul says. They're now able to be used by the Master. So, tonight, all of us in this room, from what I can tell by your confession towards me, I don't know your heart. You only know your heart. But what you've told me, all of us were this dishonorable use, but we have now been made clean, right? We were now cleansed, okay? We are now made for honorable use, set apart as holy, is what Paul says. So... What does that mean also for us? You've been cleansed, but now what? Jesus can use us. Jesus can use you. For Why? honorable use. For honorable use. Why? Amen, sister. <laughs> so you, here tonight, no matter where you think you might be in your spiritual walk, can be used for by the Master. right? But you have to be willing, right? You have to allow the Lord to use you. It's important to allow the Lord to use you. It's important to pursue the things of God, right? Because there's things that are simple about this this pot, right? This pot can be used to feed. This pot can be used to hold things. This pot can be used to teach, right? This 
pot, right? Us, all of our vessels can be used towards God. Why? Only because the Lord gives me the qualifications to do so. It's nothing about on my own accord that I'm able to even preach and able to teach the Word of God. I don't know anything. Y'all just choose to sit and listen to me, right? I mean, I do go to seminary, but it doesn't mean I know anything, right? I feel like the only reason that I'm able to talk and to teach and to do anything that I do is by the will of the Spirit. If none of y'all knew me before I started preaching, man, was I a shy kid, right? I was yeah. not, huh? You didn't know me then. You sure about that? I'm sure about that, Chief. I'm sure about that, Chief. Now, this was back in like junior high school. You know me then? All right, go for it. You were so shy your senior year. Big dog. Big dog. Big dog. It's a different shyness, maybe. Yeah, you were too shy to talk to me a little eighth grader. Whatever, whatever. I didn't want to be at golf practice, probably when I didn't talk. Anyways, I've seen in my life, and I've seen in everyone's life, probably here in this room, right, we're used to serve the Lord if we would allow Him to do so. Let's see. Yeah, you probably did. I ain't gonna lie. Told me he'd beat you. You know what? Golf. Daniel. Daniel got beat by Kobe. I, yeah, no Kobe. way. Nah. I swear. Oh, good. I swear, bro. Is Daniel not good? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty. Nah. All right. So I didn't. I I didn't originally plan to keep going, but we'll we'll keep reading through verse twenty six. So, all right. So we've had these things, right? We talked about how this approved worker is one who preaches the word rightly. Um, who flees from iniquity and who is cleansed, right? And who is being used by God for that honorable use. Verse 22, he's talking to Timothy here. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord. I did not have name in it. Who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Um, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. All right. Verse 22. He moves in too quickly. He says, Flee youthful passions. I had to write, um, I had to answer a lot of questions through seminary about uh, 2 Timothy. And it asked me what a youthful passion was. And I was like, honestly, I have no idea what a youthful passion is. So when you hear that term, what do you think of? What is Paul referencing, huh? Yeah, what is a youthful passion? Okay, so what's, what's one of those things, I guess? A young passion. We're all young. What's a passion right now? Something you like a hobby you do when you're younger. Okay. Golf. Okay. So so we'll we'll, we'll, go, we'll run with that, right? Maybe a youthful passion, something that was good in a sense, but maybe not pursued in the right way, is towards athletics, right? Things of sports, right? Maybe you pursued them not to give God glory, but to give yourself glory. I think one the way I answered it one uh, one time is that as a youth, I didn't want to lead. As a youth, I, I wanted to be led, right? But as I got older, and maybe a new way I should have saw it, is a youthful passion of mine was to be that way, but God wants me to lead, right? God wants all of us to, to lead. And so he says, flee, the, 
flee these youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Right? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And who should we pursue these things with? The Lord? What else? Who else? Other believers, right? First and, more, first and foremost, the Lord, right? That's what we talked about, about that approved worker. Someone who has their vertical relationship right with God. They love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not only that, but they're pursuing God on the horizontal level with other believers. So where I've grown most in my life is in college. The only reason I grew most of my life in my spiritual life through college is because of people who invested in me and who taught me things about God. You know, Josh has been there. Allie's been there. Y'all have never come to the BCM, right? But it is encouraging, even in this group. No, you're fine. No, you're fine, bro. But what, what are we doing here right now? We're here right now learning things to pursue the Lord. Have I told you to pursue righteousness tonight? I hope so. Have I told you to pursue faith tonight? Maybe not specifically. I've told you to pursue love at least once in one of my teaching lessons. Peace at least once in my teaching lessons, right? All of us together are serving a life towards the Lord as we flee our youthful passions. We've grown up and matured in our faith. Maybe that's even more uh, what he's talking about, that we're out of the youthful passions of, of our faith and of our uh, immaturity in Christ, we've grown up and we've pursued the things of the Lord. He goes back to, in verse number 23, about uh, pursuing these foolish and ignorant controversies. He says all this does is just make people fight. Right? The man of God is not someone that makes people fight. Right? The servant of the Lord is not someone that is quarrelsome. The servant of the Lord is kind to everyone, able to teach. He patiently endures evil, um, and he corrects his opponents with gentleness. Is being kind to everyone easy? No. No. Why? Especially when you work at Jersey Mike's. Because some people are jerks, right? Right, it's hard to be kind to everyone, but Paul says, as a servant of the Lord, you're kind to all. Number, number two, you're able to teach. Are all of us in this room able to teach? Yes. Of course. Why? We have a mouth. Okay, you have a mouth. Jesus gave us the power. And we all know the gospel, right? We all know that Jesus Christ came, he died for my sins and for your sins, that we might have life through his death, burial, and resurrection, that we can have forgiveness of our sins, right? If you can't teach anything, I hope you can teach the gospel. Number two, you patiently endure evil. Now, that's a tough one for me. Right? We look in our world and we think that our world is going to hell in a handbasket. Right? Many times in my life have I heard that term. Right? In different years, um, different months. But Jesus says, or I guess Paul says in this moment, patiently endure that evil. Why? How can, how do we, how can we patiently endure the evil? evil in this world endurance is suffering through something so how can we patiently suffer through evil what can we hope what do we hope in we hope in Jesus more specifically what Okay, his forgiveness. Okay, so we maybe hope for the day that that evil will be stomped out um, through salvation. What else? Andrew, you got something? 
What happens in the end? What happens in the end? We go to heaven. Who has the victory? We all we all have the victory, right? A taking a part in the Lord, right? In the end, we can patiently endure evil on this earth because we know that ultimately in the end, all evil is stomped out. Whether that be in our lifetime, whether that be after our lifetime, God stomps out that evil. Not only that, one of the hardest things for me is correcting um, our opponents, right? Correcting the ones who are against us. But how does he say correct them? With gentleness. Allie is probably one of the definitions of gentleness, right? She's not loud, right? She can be sweet. Sometimes she can be mean. I'll attest to that. <laughs> but she's gentle, right? Right. With our words, we're gentle with the way that we speak to people, right? I don't just yell at Josh and say, hey, man, stop doing that, right? I come at you gently, right? I say, hey, man, this is what Scripture says. I'm here, I'm here out of love. I'm here to tell you, right, this is what the Bible says, and you're not living it the right way. People did that to me. Right? Every day I would walk into BCM. They're like, man, you know, what are you reading in Scripture right now? I'm like, oh, man, I'm not reading anything. Right? They're like, oh, man, come on. You can do it. You can read Scripture. Man, who are you discipling right now? Man, I'm not discipling anybody right now. I was like, okay, come on, man. Go disciple somebody. Who's discipling you? Oh, man, I don't know who's discipling me. Right? Well, go find somebody to disciple me. Right? They're not doing it because they're mad at me. They're doing it because they want me to grow. Um, so as we... Correct our opponents with gentleness. God, or This is what Paul says about God. He says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Paul says, as an approved worker, one who pursues God and his love towards him, one who teaches the, the right things, one who flees iniquity, one who teaches patiently and endures evil, as we do all this thing in our world, Hopefully, it affects some people to do what? Through our witness, hopefully what? Well, people follow Jesus, right? Paul says, if you just live a life towards God, live a life of righteousness, live a life of love, live a life of kindness, live a life dedicated to the Lord, and maybe, just maybe, some others will also follow God. Now, I don't know how many people in my life that I've affected towards Christ. I don't know. I've led maybe a few people towards the Lord and, uh, and, and directly shared the gospel with them. But in my life, I have no idea how many people have actually made a true conversion towards the Lord. That's not for me to decide, right? All I'm asked to do is live a good life, right? Live a life towards the Lord. And Paul says maybe God will allow them the understanding of the truth of the gospel, of the truth of God. And I think that's, you know, a good place to land in Timothy's ministry, a good place to land in our ministry. We're not here to do um, the act of changing someone's heart towards the Lord. I can't change anyone's heart. All I can do is tell them about the love of God. And maybe, just maybe, God will allow them to get out of the snare or the trap of the devil. Because as of right now, as my dad has always said, you're either serving the Lord or you're serving who? The devil, the devil right? And that's what Paul says at the end of verse number 26. These people, all of us, even me, as I was used for dishonorable use, I was caught in the trap and the snare of the devil, and I was doing his business. I was doing his will, right? I was pursuing sin, and I was cursing the Lord, and I was a, an opposition of God. But somehow, for some reason, God allowed me the knowledge of his Son. 
God allowed people into my life who proclaimed the gospel. God allowed word of life to be a thing. If it wasn't for word of life, I don't know if I would accept Christ, right? Because I accepted the Lord on a Wednesday night. Who knows what would have happened? But for some reason, the Lord has allowed me to understand the knowledge of him. And we should live as a worker approved to do just that. I feel like we made a good circle there. So first thing that we looked at, an approved worker does what? He tells the truth, right? He preaches the word of God the right way. The worker um, also does what else? Departs from iniquity. What did you say? Turns away from iniquity. Turns away from iniquity, okay? Next thing we saw was these two guys, Hymenius and Philitus. What did we learn about them? Maybe that was the iniquity part. That was the iniquity part. Then we learned about the ones for dishonorable use and honorable use. What did we learn in there? There. We could be cleansed and then what? Used for honorable use. Okay, what does that mean? Used by Jesus. Preach the word. That we can be used by Jesus, right? Why? Because God gives us to, uh, the power. It's not by my power, but it's by the Holy Spirit's power in me. <clears throat> and then finally, um, excuse me, what do we see? The approved worker has the job of doing what? As he preaches the word, as he flees iniquity, as he is used for this honorable use and God uses him, Maybe his use, the use through this person will what? Spread the word word and lead others to Christ, right? That is our ultimate goal. My goal is not to change your heart. My goal is just to live a life that's worth questioning, that says, man, why do you live this way? Why do you choose to make these decisions? Why do you choose to go to seminary? Why do you choose to go to church on Sundays or go to church on Wednesday nights? Why do you choose to read the Bible? It's because the Lord's asked me to. I have to live in response to what God has done for me, that he's died for me. And I must uh, choose to serve him and choose to love him. <laughs> Thank you, Sink. The Sink gave me an amen. He said amen. Thank you. That was a good church joke. <laughs> Anything else before we close? Next week we'll um, go through all of chapter 3 and then we'll close with chapter 4. I'm going to try to continue doing it on Wednesday nights. Um, I'm planning to try to do it here. I want to do it down there in the, the thing. We can do it by the pool every once in a while. Um, in the little welcome part. So I text Crystal to see if I can get me another a room, but we'll see how that goes. So I have a key. Nonetheless, we can just come get in. Do I? I know. That's true. So... Um, there's not anything else. I can close this in prayer, and then we can go eat for Cinco de Mayo. Where are we eating at tonight, Noah? I'm eating my, girl, my girlfriend's house for Cinco Oh, my gosh. He's, he's leaving us. Leaving us. Hey, came to church. You did come to church. Thank you for being here. Soon you're going to be in the college class. So <clears throat> maybe it was a good experience for you. Oh, yeah. So, That's right. Well, I'll close this in prayer, and then we can be on our way. So let's pray. Dear Father God, I thank so much for allowing us to be here tonight to read your word as it is a challenge and it is, it is still applicable to us today that you wrote this uh, through Paul's uh, handwriting and through his words so long ago to, to Timothy, Lord, but it still applies to us, that your word is living 
Your word is active and sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, that it cuts between uh, bone and marrow, soul and spirit. So tonight, I pray that that word would prick us tonight. It would challenge us to do things, Lord. As we saw tonight, that the approved worker flees iniquity and and chooses to love you. and, And through our ministry and through your work in us, we can lead people towards you. I pray that you'd place someone in our life this week that we can lead towards you and that we can hopefully uh, see come to faith. Um, And I just thank you so much for your son, Jesus, that we can live into uh, this world and live in a world of of sin and of evil and and, and show the light of you um, and, and the light of love to all that are around us. Thank you so much for letting us be here tonight. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.